This is EM Pulse with your hosts, Sarah Medeiros and Julie Magana, change makers. Well, the 2021 holiday season is here, and I don't know about you, Sarah, but during this season, I think a lot about compassion and helping other people. I mean, obviously, this is something we try to do all the time, but our capacity in the ED is um, limited. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to say it. You know, as physicians, we can clearly help with the medical and the trauma needs of our patients, but I think we all feel a little less well-equipped to help with the rest of the needs of our patients. For the social, financial, mental health issues, and even things like substance use, we lean heavily on the rest of the ED team to help with those other sides of our patients' needs. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about today. A newer member of the ED team, a substance use navigator, or SUN. But before we get into this, we want you to think for a minute about what it's like to be a patient in the ED with substance use disorder. Now, you know what it's like to be the one taking care of a patient with substance use disorder, but what does it feel like to be that patient? You may remember Claire from our August 2021 podcast, Meth, Agitated Delirium. She bravely shared what it was like to struggle with methamphetamine use. And this is her voice describing what it's like to be a patient with substance use disorder in the ED. Were you ever in the health system when you were struggling with addiction? Yes. I was about 16. I didn't want to live. I didn't want to be right. I wasn't trying to kill myself, but I didn't want to be right here right now. I didn't like the way I was feeling. And I remember going to the hospital and I remember being treated differently as a kid, even a kid. Um, and um, I got in trouble and it was like a horrible experience. I never wanted to go to the hospital. I just remember anytime I was sick, I was afraid to go there because I felt like I was being judged. And that they didn't understand me anyways, and I had to do it myself. So that experience there had changed changed my mind about trying to go to hospitals. You know what I mean? I, I remember being super sick out there, and I did not want to have to deal with the, the stigmatism that is dealt with with addicts. You know, pre-judged, pre, being prejudged um, for me being for being what I was. What was it that they did, or how did you feel that prejudgment? By the way I was talked to, by the way I was looked at, you know, I just felt like, you know, like if I'm not feeling that good, that that I wasn't important enough because I wasn't normal. We see people like Claire regularly in our ED at UC Davis. Until a few years ago, we didn't have a good way to help them, to plug them into treatment. But Dr. Amy Mullen saw the potential. She saw a way for us to really make a difference for patients like Claire. She created a space for substance use navigators at UC Davis. In fact, you heard from our first substance use navigator, Tommy Trevino, in the September 2018 podcast, It's All About Tommy. Amy, thank you so much for being here with us yet again. I think we're making you an official co-host here. (laughs) I love it. Happy to be here. Uh, Just for our our listeners who might be new and joining us, remind us uh, who you are and talk about your role as it relates to substance use navigators and substance use here in California. 
Yes, great to be here with you all. I'm Amy Mullen. I'm a professor of emergency medicine at UC Davis, and I'm also one of the co-directors for the California Bridge Project. And what we are doing is our goal is to make treatment for substance use disorder standard of care in every hospital emergency department in California. That's awesome. That is really awesome. And what we're talking about today on our podcast, and a key kind of, what is it, like the capstone, or maybe it's the foundational stone, I don't know, (laughs) is the substance use navigator. Tell us, what is a substance use navigator? Substance use navigators are change makers in emergency departments. They're really the key to just revolutionizing our system of care in the ED. A substance use navigator is someone who loves working with people who use drugs. Very simply, that's the main qualification. But what they do is this is a person who, either through lived experience or um, through understanding what people go through who are using drugs, can meet that person where they are, do motivational interviewing, understand their needs, and help link them to outpatient treatment and get them into recovery. And for you in the ED, what this looks like is we are busy. And I'll be honest with you, I was not trained to really communicate and connect with people who are using drugs. Like I just don't have those, the same skill set. And so this is someone who can go in and connect with someone, understand their needs, communicate them back to the care team, and really help break through all the barriers that exist for someone when they're trying to enter treatment. I can hear that, you know, time and training are two key components for why these people are so integral into successful, trauma-informed care of patients that struggle with addiction in the emergency department. Have you been looking at outcomes? Can you give us some reasons, some concrete reasons, why we would want them in our emergency department besides those two very logical things? You know, standard of care for us in the ED when we are super busy and we encounter someone who's using drugs is to essentially do nothing, right? We're so busy. We will maybe hand them a referral, say, go find treatment. But really, we think to ourselves, like, ah, this is just one of the many unsolvable problems that I can't have an impact on. And what we have seen through this program is that's just simply not true. And that in the ED, we have this huge, amazing opportunity to reach out to someone and to change their life by getting them into care. And through our project with California Bridge, we had about 52 hospitals that we worked with, and we found 12,000 people with opioid use disorder. And of those 12,000 people, over half were started on buprenorphine. So over 7,000 people were started on buprenorphine. And if you think about that, that is about half of the people who are in our department who were not connected to care. It's a highly vulnerable patient population high rates of homelessness. And when we asked and when we had our navigator talk to them, they said, yeah, I want help and I want help now. And of those 7,000 people, almost 5,000, 4,818 went to their follow-up visit and actually made it into outpatient treatment. And I just find that remarkable that we have that ability to reach someone and kind of be that lifeline to help them change their life. And I mean, saving lives, that's what we do in the emergency department. And this is just another way to do it. That is amazing. 
will tell you having a substance use navigator, starting someone on buprenorphine is about the easiest thing I do in emergency medicine. (laughs) (laughs) It really is because I start this oral medication. I give them buprenorphine, which you really can't overdose on. And the substance use navigator does all the real heavy lifting of helping to break down all of those barriers that exist and get them into treatment. That's amazing. And I love that. Um, Amy, tell us just real brief, what is CalBridge? How how do you accomplish this goal? California Bridge is basically an effort in California. And we provide technical assistance to hospitals. Change is hard. And it really helps to be able to talk to people and say, here's what comes next. Here's how you do this. And so we provide a lot of technical assistance to hospitals and EDs on how to make this change. We also provide training for the navigators because it's kind of a new role. And so they have a network where they can mentor each other and learn from each other what works, what doesn't work, and what they can do better. We are hoping to get every hospital early to mid next year, there will be grant funding available through the Public Health Institute for every hospital in California to hire a substance use navigator. So if you're in California, please take a look at the Public Health or the CalBridge website because you can have a son. That's awesome. Tell us how can people, let's say you practice in California and want to access this, where can they do that? And what are your tips for those that are not in California? Yeah, so this is not just something that you can do in California. The website that we have for CA Bridge is open. All of the resources are there. So wherever you are, you can take a look at it. Go to the website. We have trainings. We have webinars all the time, and they're free. We actually partnered together, you and EM Pulse, to create a podcast series on this very topic. So yeah, it's all there. Amy, anything else that you think a system or a provider, a physician should know about if they're thinking about starting this program? Do it. That's all I got to say. The thing that hurts me is we see so many stories about rising overdose rates and people who have you know, substance use all around us. And the tragedy is how easy it is to start someone on treatment. CABridge.org. Awesome. Go there, learn more, and just do it. I love it. Well, that was informative, as Amy always is. I thoroughly enjoyed working with the CalASEP team to create a podcast that got into how to improve care for patients with opioid use disorder in the ED. Oh, man. The story at the beginning of that podcast series still haunts me to this day. You know, that's why our sons are so important. I think I consult them at least once a shift. I ask the patient if they're interested in talking to our counselors. I assure them that they're non-judgmental and there are no strings attached. And patients are usually open to it, and the sons are so helpful. You know, Sarah, I work with them less frequently, but I am so impressed with the work that they do. And so I spoke with two of our UC Davis sons, Sandra Overby and Jolie Reyna. Sandra, let's start off with you. What exactly is a SUN? SUN stands for Substance Use Navigator, okay? And that's what we do here at UC Davis. Basically, our role is when we are referred to patient, we have a consult list, and we work off that list. 
The doctors are the ones who put in the consult for uh, for their patients. And we go in there and we assess the patient. We kind of do like an interview, find out exactly what's going on with them. But even prior to that, we look at their chart so we know what's going on with them. And so we don't go in blind with the patient. And so we go in there and we talk with them and we want to find out what exactly would they want to do. It's not about what we want. It's about what they want. We're pretty well connected to the community and our providers that are out there. And so we try to connect that person to the right community provider that's going to meet their needs. So we identify a patient at need, and you guys are in the emergency department hanging out. What hours of the day are you guys available? Well, we start from 7 till 5 right now because we're kind of (laughs) (laughs) short-staffed. And not only do we do the emergency room department, but we do the entire hospital. So, you know, we're busy. We have a lot of opportunities to touch people's lives and hopefully make a difference in their lives and see hopefully everything works out well. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. What are some of the outcomes that you see from being in this position? Like, what are kind of the big bucket goals here for what you do? I think one of our big goals is trying to connect that patient. You know, connect that patient to the correct resources so they don't have to come back, right, to the, especially to the ED. So many people who have addictions, they don't really sometimes have anyone to talk to. And so we are that vehicle in which we, they can talk to and open up to, you know, to us and let us know exactly what's going on with them and how they're feeling, what they're thinking, and what they want. So that's what we do. I love it. It sounds very patient-centered here. And also hospital-centered, right? Because you're there as a resource for the entire hospital and helping these patients that often overutilize certain departments in the hospital. And their addiction impacts their health in so Mm -hmm. many different ways. Absolutely. And just like you touched on that, know that there are some patients that do come back and they come back frequently. When that does happen, then we have to ask ourselves, okay, so what is it that we aren't doing right? What is it that we're not seeing? What is it that we're missing? And that's what we'll ask. We'll ask them, what is it that we're missing? You know, tell me more about yourself so that I can have a really good understanding of what your needs are. So you guys work with patients in the emergency department who struggle with addiction. What do you see? What is it like to be a patient who struggles with addiction in the emergency department? I think patients, depending on what kind of substance they're abusing or have had major issues with, I think they're feeling hopeless, scared, and almost unseen and kind of dismissed. That's what I hear. They're at a point where they're just so desperate So that's why they're in the emergency department. They've kind of given up. A lot of times I'll see them cry and just say, I don't want to do this anymore. So that's where I think Sandy is right in like meeting them where they're at to figure out what exactly do they need in order to get better or have the right connection to the community or, you know, what kind of medication have they stopped taking that's affecting their mental health. There's also a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. 
And I think sometimes what I hear also is that they're not seen as people, but somehow their humanity has been lost. And they're seen as they're, you know, looking for drugs or that drug-seeking behavior or sometimes people blame them, you know, for their own disease, right? And so I see a lot of hopelessness. And when they come through the ED, you know that they're in a crisis situation and they're in a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And they're just reaching out for somebody to help, somebody who understands them and somebody who sees beyond the addiction, but to see them as a person, as an individual. And that's what we try to do. We try to see beyond all of that and help them because at the end of the day, they're just like you and me. We don't judge them. It's not about us. It's about them and how we can help. You know, I always tell my patients, you know, they feel sometimes they don't deserve happiness. They feel like they don't deserve really anything because somehow they did this to themselves. But we don't know their story. Everybody has a story. We don't know what their background is. We don't know what their type of environment they grew up in. We don't know if they've been traumatized or anything like that. And maybe this is why we're seeing that the, you know, the addiction because of that, because they're self-medicating for a reason. And so what we try to do here is just to see beyond the addiction, just to see them as people who are really hurting and who need help. So it sounds like a powerful emotional moment and also can be a moment for change. If we don't have a son in our emergency department and we don't have this expertise, give us some tips on how we can make the most of those moments and see beyond the addiction, connect them with resources. How can a physician or a clinician approach that patient? I think taking time to just find out exactly where they're coming from, what they need, you have to have some time to, to sit there and connect with them. So that's why I think sons are important because we have that ability to kind of pinpoint in a short amount of time and figure out what's going on with them. I think the most important things that we can do for our patients is to treat them with dignity, to treat them with respect and compassion. It takes a lot of courage to come to UC Davis or any hospital for that fact and try to get help when you're feeling at your weakest moment, when you feel like I just can't go on like this any longer, I want a better life or whatever that might look like. It does take a lot of strength, a lot of courage to come and ask for help. How can clinicians identify if that patient is in a spot that is open to change, what questions do you ask? Just asking them if they're ready and they want to stop using and if they want help. I ask as well, do you want to stop? What would your life look like if you, you stopped? And it's up to them. It's their journey, right? And if they say, no, I'm not interested, then we respect that because they're not ready yet. And maybe one day they will be. And guess what? We're hoping to be here for them. So if somebody says, I'm not ready for change yet, then you give them resources and say, we're here for you in the future. If they are ready for change, what are some of the steps that you take next? How do you find those community resources? 
we're pretty well connected. So when the patient is looking for, you know, particular, maybe if they want outpatient or they want inpatient, depending what the patient wants, right, then we go from there. And like I said, we're really pretty well connected to the community. We know what's out there. And not just here in the Sacramento area, out even in the Fresno, uh, Redding, Chico, Eureka, Lake Tahoe, all the surrounding areas we're familiar with. Tommy likes wants us to go visit our community providers at least two per month. So we go out there and we meet them, we talk with them, we find out what's new. We really enjoy that time out because we build not only that rapport with the patients, but we also build that rapport with our community providers. If I have a patient who wants to go inpatient, I know who to call right away. I just pick up that phone and I know who to call and I say, hey, I got a patient here for you. They're really interested. They've given permission for me to call you and they want you to call them and here's their phone number. They'll take it from that point forward. How do you work through the complicated process of funding and insurance for these patients? It's the first thing that we look at. We get the consult, we read through the chart, and we also look, okay, what type of insurance do they have? And so that'll tell us exactly where we can direct that patient to. And we also have Christian-based programs that are free. Do you have any tips on phrases to use or taboo phrases that we shouldn't use when we're uh, speaking with these patients? I mean, I don't really use the words drugs or anything like that. I just tell them who I am, what I do, and that I'm here as a support. I always ask them if they're okay with me giving them suggestions so they know that they're comfortable. How does somebody become a son? Well, for me, I have some personal experience with substance use issues about 12 years ago. I ran into some issues and I got help and decided like that was going to be something I was going to give back to and kind of centered my career around that. And just ever since then, been working in outpatient, residential, and now, you know, 11 years past, I'm at UC Davis. What an honor and a privilege. My father, he's the one who struggled with alcohol. And so, yeah, it was tough growing up in an environment like that. I also have a degree in um, social work, but I got to tell you, doing um, this type of job here, working as a substance use navigator, is amazing because I I understand now what my father was going through. At that time, I didn't understand the full complexity of it. And then I started, as I started getting into this work and I started to open, really open my eyes and even my mind, I started to realize, wow, this is not as easy to say, oh, why don't you just stop drinking? Or why don't you just stop doing drugs? It's not that easy because it's so complex. So that's deep and complicated stuff. But that's how kind of I got into it, too, through the social work thing and also because my dad. Anything else you think we should know that... Physicians, nurses, social workers, other people interacting with these patients should know about approaching patients with addiction. I think just having compassion, meeting people where they're at, just listening. Honestly, that's what Mm -hmm. I can think of right now. I have to agree with Jolie. Just see past the addiction. There are people too. 
and they cry and they <laughs> hurt. They laugh just like we do. And then they also have their dreams that they want and they have things they want to accomplish in life. Even if it's just to be a better parent to a child. And it's awesome. Being encouraging, that goes a long way too. Pulse check. A substance use navigator is a change maker in your ED. They are someone with experience and training that can help your patients with substance use disorder through motivational interviewing, connection with resources, and addressing their needs in the ED and beyond. Even if you don't have a son, you can do simple things to make the process better for these patients. Treat them like human beings. Treat them like you would want your family member treated. In one study of 52 hospitals, 12,000 people with opioid use disorder were identified, and over half were started on buprenorphine. This does work. You can be that lifeline. As Dr. Amy Mullen said, saving lives, that's what we do in the ED. This is just another way we do it. Check out cabridge.org to learn how you can make this happen in your ED. And check out our podcast with Cal Asep on medication-assisted treatment. See a link to the podcast in our show notes and get free CME. We would love to hear from you on social media. Do you have a substance use navigator in your ED? How's it going? Let us know at EM Pulse Podcast and subscribe to hear more podcasts like this. Thank you to our department for doing the right thing and empowering change makers like substance use navigators, Sandra and Jolie. And thank you to OM Productions for working with our voices during respiratory infection season. <laughs> <laughs> See y'all next time. <laughs>